2: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm here with my co-host, pending Ironman World Championship podium finisher, (laughs) pending because the race hasn't happened yet and she still has to do the racing part. But um, Haley Chura, I am so excited to get to talk to you. You are in St. George currently right now, and I have a lot of questions. So the first things I want to talk to you about is typically – no, you can't say well, No, I just
0: you didn't say who you are. Who are
2: you? You oh, forgot to introduce oh, yourself. Oh. <laughs> I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm a professional triathlete sometimes. And I'm really excited. I'm just so excited. I couldn't even remember to tell people who I am. I'm here to talk to Haley today because, Haley, you're in St. George for hashtag Utah Kona, the Ironman World Championship edition that's happening in St. George this year. And, Haley, you've been a participant in the World Championships in... Hawaii Kona before. And so you are very familiar from years of racing there, the vibe, right? A world championship vibe. And typically it's in Kona and like everyone just does the sit, right? Everyone gets in a week early. Everyone goes to Lava Java. I'm like not even remembering Lava Java for like to see who's there. Everyone goes to get the acai bowls from that like shack on the beach. Everyone, you know, goes to snorkel bobs or something. I don't know. And like goes to swim from the pier so are there are people doing some like world championship uh are they trying to bring that kind of stuff to St. George like
0: did you get an acai bowl today from somewhere I have not had an acai bowl I will say I um it feels different I drove here so I've only been in St. George for about 24 hours and so I haven't like <laughs> necessarily checked out the vibe as much. And that was a little bit of a difference. I think that I could drive here from Bozeman. Um I did split the drive into two days because originally I was going to do one 10 hour drive. And then I realized like I am not cut out for that. I have driven like you know, I drive like an average of like 12 miles a week. And so driving for 10 hours is that's like, you know, I haven't trained for this. So I, um, I split the drive into two days. I drove four hours the first day, stayed the night in Pocatello, Idaho, and then drove six hours the second day. And which was, you know, it was better with weather too. We had some you know, wintery mix kind of uh, conditions in Bozeman, which is also not, not good for my driving skills. So I'm low risk these days, trying to keep all my uh, risk assessment, like major low risk. Um, So splitting it up. And so I've only got been here about 24 hours. And I will say one thing that is very different about utah kona uh versus hawaii kona is that we aren't quite as condensed you know hawaii kona is very crowded everyone's in kind of a small town on an island and there isn't really a lot of places to go um utah kona is a little bit a little more sprawling you know saint george has a little bit more space which i kind of like it makes the you know just bopping around town a little bit easier uh, I think there are more than one pool. So I did go swim today and there were definitely triathletes there. I mean, you can tell, and I will give a shout out to, uh, Lonnie at the pool, who I does not do not think necessarily listens to the podcast, but he told me my swim looked really good, which uh, was exactly what I needed. Um, and Alyssa this morning, I got to do, uh, a little bit of like photo shoot filming with, uh, for iron man for the broadcast. So I hope all of our uh, listeners. Tune in because I think it's going to be on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Peacock. We'll be sure to put things in the show notes, but um, you might get a little like preview with yours truly in person. They can see my face and my wonderful kit. Don Morelli was uh, taking the photos, so it's like famous photographer, and I felt really special. So, so the vibe is different, but I'm like soaking it up, just like enjoying every part of it. And I imagine things are going to get more busy. I think. I have uh, an age group athlete who's racing, and I know she's coming into town on Wednesday or Thursday. So I think people are are showing up a little bit later if they are from the mainland U.S. Um, because the travel isn't quite as as tentative as traveling to Hawaii, but. Um, but there are definitely triathletes here. You see people out riding the course. You see the course markings. Um, you see the road signs about closures. And I know some of the other pros. If you follow them on social media, have been here even you know a lot longer than I have. So I think things are ramping up.
2: And so, what's your routine? Are you you know doing more media opportunities than usual? Are you like? flying by the seat of your pants, you don't know, are you staying in hibernation and avoiding everything you can and just keeping your feet up for the week? Kind of what's your plan of attack for the week?
0: I'm definitely doing media opportunities. I, this race is such a huge opportunity for me. Uh, and, I just, I'm someone who like, doesn't like to pass up opportunities. And so I, I'm being, trying to be careful to not overdo it. And I tried to schedule things like more toward the first part of the week, which is one reason I'm here now and understand like my energy management, which is, um, you know, I, I'm someone who will probably overcommit. And so I'm trying not to overcommit and I have, I'm staying with my good friends, Betty and Ernie Janelle, who have been at a lot of my races for more than a decade now um betty and i actually raced kona in 2009 which was my first ironman we both raced it and so they're not racing but they're here supporting and so they are kind of my uh they help protect me from myself being like uh ah, no you don't need to meet up with every single person and it is i mean a bigger area so you don't necessarily just it's you not you know i can't just walk around the corner and see everyone so it takes a little bit more planning but i feel like i'm doing a good job prioritizing workouts. And then also, cause I do have some, you know, some training this week and then, but soaking it all in, you know, if I get a chance to be on a Kona broadcast, uh, even the Utah Kona broadcast, I'm going to take it, you know, and talking with you. I think, um, I get a lot of support from our iron women podcast listener community. And so I definitely am glad that I get to share a little bit of the experience with them. And, um, and maybe I hopefully get a couple cheers in return. I feel like when
2: people are, are an iron women fan and they're cheering for you there in st george they need to yell like a code word at you so you know and you can quantify you talk I feel yeah like you that. Go, or like yell like <laughs> spaghetti or something at you right like i don't know something like meatballs or something i don't know like, if I, mean, I don't know, like
0: <laughs> if I it would take i don't know if i have the brain power to remember we said i'd be like why is that random human why yelling, yelling spaghetti, yelling
2: spaghetti at me? <laughs> everyone do it. That'll be go. Haley works. (laughs) And so Haley, it sounds like you probably haven't been there long enough to get out on the course too much, but how's the course looking? I know you have raced in St. George before, but, um, you know, are you making an effort to get to a part of the course you haven't seen yet? Or what's your plan of attack?
0: wait so i haven't seen much of the course um other than you know what i've raced on in the past because i haven't been there that long and i kind of prioritize media today (laughs) but i did meet with torsten rad from try reading.com and he had driven the whole bike course and gave me a little intel on that and then i'm hopeful tomorrow um so we're recording this on monday on tuesday i'll hopefully in the afternoon we'll have some time to drive the outer loop, the Veo loop, I think is what they're calling it, um, part of the course, which is a section that I have not seen that is different from the 70.3. And so I'm trying to like, I think I don't need another 112 miles in the car. (laughs) So I'm probably not going to drive excuse me, the entire thing all in one go. But I also might uh, get on the bike and ride parts of the run course um, and or drive parts that I can drive and just see just so I kind of know where the hills are, have some landmarks in place. But is it perfect? But no, but I mean, I've done plenty of races where I haven't seen an inch of the course and then I just go out there and do it. And I'll, I'll study the course maps and that kind of thing so I know which direction to go. But I'm kind of prioritizing downtime, fueling, hydrating, thinking good thoughts, hang around happy people. And, um, you know, and then I, I will be ready. I think I'll be as ready as I can be for the actual course on the day. And speaking of hydrating Haley,
2: do you want to share the exciting news we have for our listeners this week?
0: Yes. Noon hydration is back. um supporting the iron women podcast. So we're really happy to have noon back. I have packed this was a nice part about driving, Alyssa, is that I could pack so much into the car, and which included like an entire like Did one of those cowboy? uh,
2: Cowboy's not there,
0: is he? I wish my mom wanted me to pack cowboy, but I was like, that dog. The things he dislikes are heat, wind, crowds. Um, and then I, I'm actually going to California after this. So like big bodies of water and like getting dirty, which is like basically this whole thing. So he gets like, he melts if it's like above 55 degrees and I am slowly turning into my dog because I'm like, I melt when it's above 55 degrees. But, um, anyway, he did not come this time. He's, he's my dad's taking care of him. So it's all, he's in good hands, but he's, and he's sending me daily pictures. So cowboy is, is having a good time. He does miss me, but I know he does and I miss him, but especially cause I haven't had to to share any of my food and i'm like i'm one of those people who uh feeds their dog human food but anyway um back to my hydration i did pack like an entire uh you know reasonable shopping bag full of noon products because i wanted to stay hydrated on the drive so on the drive i was you know hitting mostly noon sport in you know just throwing a couple tablets into my water bottle as i was driving and i um and that's also what i'm drinking right now and but i also packed noon endurance the mango flavored that's for the race i am going to have that definitely in my bottle on the bike and then also we get pro fluids for this race and so you can have like they'll have like uh bottles you know out on the course on the run course so i'll probably have some noon endurance because i like some calories in uh you know in that and then um I definitely did pack some, uh, noon instant because it is warm here. (laughs) It's very warm, very windy. And I, uh, you know, it can wipe you. So the watermelon flavored noon instant, I packed plenty of that for both me and my friends who are here to cheer my friends in because, um, cheering is hard work and I want my cheerers to, you know, feel okay during and after the race as well. And so those will be definitely passed around.
2: Yeah. You don't want some like leg crampage to, hinder the cheering and then they can't get to the finish line and see you finish or something. That would be tragic. I've
0: bonked while cheering before Alyssa. We joke, but like I have at a 70.3 no less. It wasn't even a full Ironman. And I was just, I hadn't, I hadn't properly, you know, prepared myself for it. The Taco Bell is like perfectly placed on the run course in Hawaii for us to refuel at the Taco
2: Bell. And so is there like a fueling stop that you've noticed for your spectating
0: friends? I haven't, but, you know, it's early in the week, so I will do some recon (laughs) when I'm looking at the course. I'll be like, hey, great stop for you right there, but or, you know, have the backpack with some Noon Instant. But for all of our listeners, you can use the code STAYFEISTY. It's all one word. Is there any capitals in that, Alyssa? Um.
2: You know, it is listed in capitals in what I see here. So I would try that first.
0: All caps. Stay feisty. All one word. All caps. And use that at noonlife.com and you will get 30% off your order, which is a great deal. So you can prep for your road trip, your cheering, or maybe your race. Yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. So thanks to Noon for coming back on board and Haley, I have one more question for you about pre race out there. Um, what's the like drug testing situation out there? Are the usually, I think at World Championships, does everyone get tested? How does that work? Do you have to like That's make good time for question.
0: that? Question. Um, I know usually we get tested, like get you know blood tested. Um, when we check in. I haven't checked in yet, so I will uh, report back. But um, I'm not in an out of competition testing pool right now, so I don't. But I think even if you're not, they can just test you. Because I remember in Nice, they just came to my hotel room, but that was when I was in an out-of-competition testing pool. So I had given my address. Anyway, um, no one's looking for me. (laughs) um, Unfortunately or unfortunately, I don't know if we should put that out there, but I will report back um, because I, yeah, again, I haven't been here long enough to figure that one out. <laughs> but it was the way wait. before I, we get into our interview which is a, a all about utah kona it's an entire preview show. Um I think you had a race this last weekend. Another mm-hmm. one. You're on a racing binge. Yes. Yeah, so basically I I'm going to be
2: binge racing for a while here. Um I didn't have a very good race season last year and then Barclay was just kind of a weird race, right? Everyone fails, so like, even though I did fine there, it didn't feel like this resounding success, like fitness wise. So it's been a long time since I've been able to have races where I'm like, yeah, I'm like fit and moving in the right direction, you know. Um, And so to cure that, (laughs) this year I am on a racing binge right now to just try and build some confidence, get myself feeling like mentally better in race situations, and just more more confident about it. So doing local racing. Um, you know, Matt and I have adventure racing on the docket. I have some trail races coming up, that sort of thing. So a lot of racing in the, this next month, but yeah, I jumped into a local, pretty competitive road race. And it's pretty rare that I do a road race, Haley. It was 10 miles, but I was very excited to do this road race because it, um, it's called the (laughs) Pac-Manadnock 10 miler. And that's because you run up, uh, Mount Monadnock, and so in southern New Hampshire. So, um, it's basically like seven miles of a gradual incline, and then the last three miles, you have two hundred and fifty feet again, and then three hundred and fifty feet again, and then six hundred and fifty feet in the last mile. So, six hundred and fifty uh, I mean, on a paved road. On a paved road, like switchbacking up to the top of the mountain. Dang! Um, so it's cool. It's really cool. Um, it's a really hard race. I mean, it was a. It's a hard, hard race, as you can imagine, finishing your last three miles with that. Um, but I was excited to do it. it. You know, for a road race, it was definitely up my alley. And the it was the first time I got to do a local race since I've moved to New Hampshire. So it was really cool just to kind of get to talk to some people in the local running scene. Uh, I ran with a woman named Alyssa, and she lives like 30 minutes from me. So, you know, new running friends, that sort of thing and I got beat by two women. I think they're still in college. I think they're seniors or going to be seniors. And they gave me a good, good, um, humble slice of humble pie.
0: <laughs> oh, that sounds, I love, um, I love But it an was really race. fun. I love a good yes. uphill race. I used to do one near Atlanta called the Hogpen Hill Climb every oh, that's year. That's great. Right.
2: You did do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I
0: did it. I mean, I did it. I started it as prep for Pilani Hill in Hawaii, because I just wanted to be able to run up that hill and may have it feel like nothing. And so I and then I just did it because I loved it. And so maybe now you've inspired me that you know, this run course in St. George, it has some hills I'm told. And, um, you know, so I got to think back to my hog pen days, or think of yeah. you as hog,
2: back, hog, pen. hog pen.
0: Yeah, I don't okay. know. I don't
2: 10. Is it a 10k?
0: That was like, no, that was like, a. I think it was like 11 was just- miles. Or something, okay. yeah, ten or eleven yeah, miles. So that's a long one too. Yeah. It was, yeah, but it was, and I don't, I don't, six hundred and fifty feet on a paved gate and one mile on a paved road is that's a I, oh my gosh, that's a lot. I'm in, I'm impressed that they paved that. Um, But Alyssa, I'm just like I'm gonna channel that on that race, I'll be like, you know what? It's just like, what was yours called? Mount Pana What? (laughs) the
2: Life of me cannot say it. I don't say it out loud, but I've tried to write it like every time. And I like have to go look it up every time. But Man- Manadnock. Okay.
0: I'll just channel yeah. Alyssa running up Manadnock. Do and I um, think I have a couple, you know, 18 <laughs> year olds ahead of me. I will say, I think it might be a little bit warmer here in St. George, probably than it is in New Hampshire, but, you know, I can deal. That's what ice was invented for. <laughs>
2: um. But yes, so I am not racing though this weekend, so I'm very excited to be spectating virtually for Ironman World Championships. I will definitely. Be watching all of the fun go down, and Haley, we have a really fun guest today. We love to do preview shows. I feel like um, these are always end up being some of my favorites chats, especially when we have our friend DD Dee Dee Griesbauer on to do the preview show with us.
0: Yes, DD Dee Dee is no stranger to the Iron Women podcast. We've had her on a couple times before, as you know, talking about her, and then also as a race previewer because she also does work as a commentator for iron man so she's the voice you hear if you were on facebook watching all the iron man races quite frequently she is she's the commentator and as an athlete she's also a three-time iron man champion three-time top 10 Hawaii Kona finisher. Twice she was top American. That is an incredible, incredible race resume. She is the Ultraman Florida Women's Champion, and she was is also the world record holder in Ultraman. She set that in 2020 and qualified for the Ultraman World Championships, which I believe are happening this November in uh, on the big Island of Hawaii. So she's got a lot going on. She is still racing. She's 51 years old, still racing professionally, still a force in the pro field. She, um, as recently as last weekend in Ironman, Texas. So, um, basically knows everything and everyone in the sport, which is why we have her on. So we will have our full Utah Kona preview with DD Dee, Dee right after the break. hi
1: Didi, welcome
0: back to the iron women podcast i'm so
1: excited to be here it's a great week it's an exciting week i can't believe haley you're doing this during race week kudos to you but i guess maybe it's a good distraction it's a good distraction right? yes <laughs> i uh, it is a good distraction and honestly i am
0: enjoying this week so much too and i'm probably doing more media than i ever have which um You know, I don't know. I'm like, I'm definitely one of those people who can overdo it. But we are recording this early in the week. So we probably should caveat that all everything with our predictions, a lot of things can happen before Saturday. But for our listeners, uh, we all know that they are huge fans of you because you're you've been on our show before as a race previewer. You're a commentator for lots and lots of ironman races and you yourself are a professional triathlete so we were all watching and cheering last was it just last week oh my last- god it was like a little a week ago yeah. at iron man texas and you came off the bike in third place but ended up in the med tent unable to start the run so can you tell us what happened and how you're doing
1: yeah i'm doing fine first of all um physically emotionally i'm obviously still kind of um hugely disappointed and you know Gutted and beating myself up and all of the things that we do after we don't finish a race. Um, as for what happened, I think it, I've had enough bad races and granted this one was a little extra dramatic, I suppose, but I've had enough bad races in my career, despite like pristine preparation um, races that just don't go according to plan that uh, I know enough to know. I'm probably never going to know exactly what happens out there. Um, I was saying to Alyssa, Before we got started, I can think now. You know, Monday morning quarterback. I can think back of probably a million different little things that I probably didn't do right, stupid mistakes that, uh, with the number of years I've been in the sport, I shouldn't be making, and I did make. And it is probably no single thing. It's just a culmination of a lot of things, and and just a really tough day out on the racecourse, but. I've also been around long enough to know that there are other race days and that fitness that I've built um, doesn't go anywhere. I have to let it go a little bit now, but can come back stronger for the next one. And I'm and optimistic to put it together on a different day. It just wasn't my day.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure the listeners of the Iron Woman podcast were worried as we all were when we saw that. But we're excited that you are, you know, no worse for the wear here. You're back in action and it's a really quick turnaround, DD, for um, the Texas, right, and the, everything that was going on there, to commentating in St. George. So, can you tell us what your role is during the exciting May version of the Ironman World Championships?
1: Well, right now I am study, 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 studying all that I can about the the competitors so that I sound smart on race day. But I will be uh, in the booth with Michael Lovato. so we'll be live from the booth. We'll have the rest of our commentary team. Uh, Matt Lieto and I believe Greg Welch will be reporting in from the course and Michael and I will be uh, calling the race from the booth. So I get to cheer everybody on and and commentate uh, these amazing athletes.
2: Do you pull your own study material? Is there someone who gives you guys like the same stuff to look at or are you like finding people's Instagram, studying that, pulling stats from the PTO website and just piecemealing
1: it yourself? I piecemeal it myself. Yeah. Um, we don't have a robust library. I mean, obviously the internet is a robust library of information and, and I'm pretty handy, um, on the internet. Uh, there was a time, (laughs) there was a time in my, um, professional, non-triathlon career, my my financial career, where I wanted to be a research analyst. So I'm pretty good at research. Um and so yeah, I I do I study really hard. Um so yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. I've been busy all week and will be busy all of this week um getting prepared and and knowing all the facts and and just pouring my passion. I mean that's why I love doing the commentary because at the end of the day, I just love this sport, and so I get to take that passion and pour it into what I'm seeing on screen and the best athletes in the world um, executing at their craft, and it's 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 a real joy for me. So I'm looking forward to it, and this course is not going to disappoint one bit.
0: Speaking of uh, speaking of the course, so you were in St. George training prior to Ironman Texas. What did you think of the course?
1: Uh, you know, I was equal parts super inspired and super <laughs> excited that the world championship was going to take place in St. G- in Saint George and equal part, really happy. I'm not racing. <laughs> Sorry, Haley. Um, it, it is the course is it's magnificent. Like it is for naysayers of Ironman that say, Oh, all the challenging courses are gone. They're watering down courses to appeal to the lowest common denominator so that everybody can finish an Ironman This course is like the anti-that sentiment. It is going to be really, really tough. And the conditions, not unlike Kona, um, the conditions are going to make it even more challenging. But as compared to Kona, I think Kona on a calm day, where it's overcast skies, isn't that challenging a course. If you catch a slightly cooler day without the winds, it's not that dynamic of a race course. This, even if it's like not hot and the winds are down it is still a super challenging course given the topography and then you add what is likely to be the conditions super chilly starting in the morning dry climate um and then what's meant to be heating up to 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 a pretty hot day and then factor in what could potentially be some crazy winds um and this course is going to be unreal like it's going to be amazing (laughs) And those of
2: us who have been in the sport for a while remember well that St. George did host a full distance Ironman from 2010 to 2012 and the conditions in 2012 were especially difficult. I think like there's still, you know, war stories that go around about that day when when someone claims to have been there that day. And the very strong Meredith Kessler won that race in 10 hours and 12 minutes. So Do you think we should expect times that are slower than a typical Kona course? Kind of, it sounds like you're saying it's very likely.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that race back in 2012 had a, and I don't know the exact statistic. And again, I need to study up on this, but it was close to 30% DNF rate um, on that day back in 2012. Um, I think we could see pretty much close to that on, on Saturday. So much of that, I think, is going to depend on the conditions. Yes, the course is difficult, but the course is manageable if you're smart. But if you throw what could be um, really massive temperature swings from a cool morning to a really, really hot, dry afternoon and winds on top of that, um, yeah, I I think typically in Kona, I think Kona 2019, eight of the top 10 women were sub nine hours. I think it'll be tough for the like on a good day on a calm not super windy day I think maybe if we see the podium sub nine it would be great I don't think we'll see nearly I mean I think it'll be again depending on the wind because the wind in itself is probably gonna like change the results by 15 minutes on on its own um I think we won't see that many women under nine hours here so yeah I think it'll be slower than Kona for sure
0: I was, uh, I've been here a day and a half and, um, I will say that yesterday the wind was insane like I went for a run and I don't think I could have broken a nine-minute mile one direction because the wind was so insane and then today is a little bit calmer so we'll see what we get I'm gonna be packing some extra calories for uh to be in case I'm out there a little longer but um the Ironman World Championships it was last race in October 2019 in Kona Hawaii and the podium in that race was Germany's Annie Haug, Great Britain's Lucy Charles Barclay, and Australia's Sarah Craig. So we're coming up on two and a half years since that race. Annie Haug is the only athlete from that podium who is racing in St. George. So is the return of only the defending champion just the tip of the iceberg on how unusual this race could be?
1: Oh, I I mean, this race is unusual from, from start to finish, right? I mean, let's just first talk about the qualifying window for this event has been like 712 days or something like that, um, that athletes have had to qualify, but ironically fewer races than a typical qualifying year for the world championship. So it's been, and I say that only because during that time, you know, if you look at the start with women that have qualified, I mean, some of them have just straight up retired in that amount of time. Um, A lot of them have produced tiny humans Um, you know, it's an entirely different world. We have athletes who hadn't even raced an Ironman back in 2019 that are now favorites in this race, which is absolutely unheard of. So yeah, we have a a huge number of rookies here. Um, and and yeah, like everything about this race is unusual, starting with the fact that it's not in Kona, right? This is the first time we've had an Ironman world championship, not, um, in in Kona. And, And so, that in and of itself, the, the difference in course, the things that that course is going to challenge the athletes with um, compared to Hawaii and the fact that it's just been such a long period of time and there are so many new faces and then so many veterans that, you know, some have weathered the, 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 the break very, very well and others have had their struggles. So it's, it's, a, it's a whole new world than we were in the last time we had an Ironman World Championship event. It is crazy. I need to go back 712 days or whatever you said, the qualifying window
2: and listen to like the Iron Women podcast from that time because it probably was totally different. Yeah,
1: seriously, <laughs> like everyone's focus, everyone's like thought process, everyone's just the way we lived our lives was completely different. And, and to think that it's been that amount of time is, is crazy, but it's bought, brought a lot of new fresh faces into the sport. But we still see some of the veterans that I'm not going to bet against on Saturday. I'd be an idiot to do that.
2: And so as we look at the official bib list, um, Annie Haug will wear race number F1, so the first-seeded female, and four-time champion Daniela Reef will wear F2. In 2019, Daniela won the 70.3 World Championships in Nice, then had a shocking um, – shocked us all, shocked the world, the triathlon world, for her 13th place, yeah, finishing
1: Kona. Not in a good way. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: But since then, she hasn't really been in the dominating form that we saw all of those years. And most recently, she cro- crossed the line in 11th at Oceanside 70.3 before finding out that she had been DQ'd for a cycling violation there. So, you know, I don't know, Dee, Dee, what's your feeling? What do you, you know, have, do you have your ear to the ground on this? Like, is it unwise to count out an athlete like Daniela? I mean, she, she's no stranger to the distance. She's no stranger to the race. And like you said, there's, it's a different landscape, but maybe, you know, wisdom can prevail in that
1: sense. It it can, in a, in a course like this, it should, that poise and that, you know, some of the things we've seen Daniela do, and I forget which year it was, where she had been stung by the jellyfish and was so far back and we thought, oh gosh, that's it. And all of a sudden she hit Javi and came home faster than 98% of the men and ended up winning on the day. I mean, the things we've seen her do, I would never, ever, ever bet against her. Um, That being said, there have been a lot of changes in her life. She left her coach, Brett Sutton, um, over the course of the pandemic. And at the time, it seemed like a really positive thing for her. She was sort of charting her own way in the sport. Um, she, She finished her education. She was sort of giving herself options beyond her racing for when that time came. But it's been a while since that, and we haven't seen her kind of come back to the Daniela that we know. So I wouldn't bet against her because we know it's in her physically, Um, whether it's, she still has that um, sort of that desire. I think when you've been that dominant for so long, where's the inspiration coming from Um, to a certain extent? Yes. It's part of her DNA um, to to be a champion and and to want that level of excellence and perfection. Uh, But we certainly haven't seen it for a long time. So I certainly would. Maybe the
2: the new venue could be the shakeup that provides some of that inspiration for some of the veterans, too. I think it
1: could be, but we saw her race. I don't know if it was 70.3 Worlds or the St. George 70.3, and she wasn't super magnificent then either. Um, At least not, again, she's held to a different standard. And I feel like an idiot saying that, right? She performs well, and we're like, eh, she didn't win. She was fourth. Like, fourth is amazing, you know, whatever place it was. We just expect more from her, and to a certain extent, that's not fair. But that's the standard that she set for herself, and so when she doesn't measure up to that, we tend to be a little bit critical of it. I, you know, I hope she factors in the race. You know, there have been a number of races where we sort of wait for her to make her move. We wait for her to make her move, and the move just hasn't really come in recent times. But um, hey, she's she's a favorite, and I think the fact that she hasn't performed that super well maybe some of the women out there on the race course are discounting her a little bit and that might be a fatal error
0: (laughs) she did win here a year ago at the 70.3 not the world championship but the regular 70.3 the north american championship and then had that great race in tulsa so i mean i forget about those things and so she has had some i mean she had a decent race there but then it was you know as we saw the year go on it again her standard. Like you said, we are used to her dominating. And so if we see someone within a few minutes, we're like, Oh, you had a bad race.
1: Well, and that's the thing, even in Tulsa where she won, she wasn't, she wasn't miles and miles ahead. She was vulnerable, right? I forget who was second there. Was it Kat Matthews? Was it I Kat think it was or Kat or Matthews. It was yes. It was Kat was second. Sky was third, but they were catching her, right? Mm-hmm. The last 10 K you know, we thought Danielle had it in the bag, but then all of a sudden Kat was coming and, and I don't think the margin was what we would have expected. So yes, she won, but she did not look as untouchable as she has in the years of her when she's been so dominant. So she's just looks slightly more vulnerable. That's all. She looks more human than she used to. Um, and I think that's exciting for the women around her because who wouldn't like to take a swing at, at Daniela? I mean, Beating Daniela Reef has got to be like, you're going to put that on the top line of your resume because not many people have had the opportunity to do it. Um, But knowing how dominant she has been, I would never bet against her.
0: And you mentioned some of these rookies, and according to our friend Torsten Rad at trywriting.com and his St. George report, roughly 47% of the women's pro field in St. George will be Ironman World Championship rookies. So no rookie has won since Chrissy Wellington in 20, 2007. So, But we have a few high-profile rookies who are competing this year, including women you just mentioned, the recent Lanzarote 70.3 champ, Kat Matthews, American Sky Monch, and 2012 Olympic silver medalist Lisa Norden. So, could this be the year that someone wins the World Championship on debut?
1: A hundred percent. But okay, there's always a but, right? This is an Ironman World Championship, and and people will debate this, and I even debate it in my own head a little bit. It's an Ironman World Championship. I think absolutely we could very well see a rookie win on debut, but it's not Kona, and. For some reason, in my head, emotionally, there's a difference there. Now, I am not racing on Saturday, so I can't compare the the feels, the nerves, the jitters. Certainly, staring down this course, I think the nerves and the jitters would be somewhat elevated. But it's just not the same event, emotionally speaking, because it's not Kona. And I, I don't know how much that is going to factor in. Um I think the, the rookies, they kind of know Kona, right? Because they know the vibe. They know the the gig. They probably have been there to spectate the race. So they know what goes on there. But this is a whole different environment, a whole, a whole different race, essentially. Even though it's still a world championship, it's just a whole different race. So I think we very well could see a, a rookie win on debut. If we moved this event to Kona in October, would we see those same names? win? I don't know. (laughs) I would almost bet against them more than I am. I think they have a better chance in St. George than they would if this event was taking place in October in Kona.
2: I guess it could also be a year that we find out, right? Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: I mean, and that's one of the great things about this race being in St. George. And I think one of the things that Certainly, and it again, this was a different, it's a different attitude from the professionals versus the age groupers. I think the age groupers have a strong emotional attachment to Kona being the world championship venue. And the pros do too, a, a full, like a huge amount of respect for the history of our sport, the origins of our sport. But I think a lot of the pros realized, hey, you know, Kona favors a certain physiology and you have to be built a certain way. Like we talked about Meredith Kessler. How dominant has Meredith Kessler been as an athlete across this Ironman distance? And yet she she constantly underperforms in Kona when the event got moved to a different venue um, here in St. George, everyone was like, Oh, wow. Like we're going to see some new faces just because it's a different course. It's a different climate. It's, it's just a different venue and it's going to favor a different type of athlete. And I think a lot of people are excited about that. And I think a lot of those rookies on that start list, Kat Matthews, Lisa Norden, this course suits them really, really well.
2: How much do you think the like timeline of it affects kind of the emotional investment in it, right? Because so I'm trying to remember, and Haley, you probably know this very well, right? So it was supposed to happen in October. It got postponed to February. And then like it was winter, right? Like December, January. And we heard, wait, no, we're actually going to put it at St. George, right? So I mean, World Championships takes a long time to prep for, you know? And so then it's kind of like, oh, I just did half of the work, right? Do I just continue on? And, like, I think – do you think some of the bigger names that we're not seeing on this list kind of felt like the timing just wasn't what it was and, like, you know, and it just wasn't going to happen?
1: I think a lot of athletes are thinking about – what their strengths are um, and their ability to race at a very, very high level several times throughout the year. And those that feel like they are a let's rise to the occasion and, and kind of do it one big time. We're not seeing a lot of them here. We're seeing a lot of them opt for other schedules Um, for the athletes who are not yet qualified for October. I think it puts a lot of pressure on them. They have to perform here in St. George If they don't pick up a slot, then they've got to think about where am I going to race another Ironman to get that slot so I can race in Kona in October. And I think factoring all of that in has weighed a lot on the athletes. I think a lot of the athletes are thinking, hey, you know, for the women, there's eight slots available at this race. So there's a good chance I might pick one up. So for some of them, they think, okay, even if I don't perform the way I would want to, because it is early May and I'm not at the same cycle of fitness I would be later in the year. Um, I can still be fit enough to pick up that slot, check the box towards October and get to participate in a world championship event, which I think no matter whether you race well or or don't race to your expectations, you always come out a better athlete for it. So, um, yeah, I, I think the timing of it has been difficult, but I think for some athletes, they're also it's created a tremendous opportunity because when in the world will we ever have two Ironman World Championships in a single year and could anybody win both of them? And that is something that will be unmatched probably for
0: <laughs> And I can speak a little bit. I know this isn't about me, but about you, um, and I'm really. probably probably not the person who's uh, who's going for those that double win although that does sound fun um i i did an interview in an article recently with training peaks where they actually looked at like my whatever like my uh progression, I guess, where I, it's not, I don't follow my charts very, uh, closely, but it was, I felt a little bad for, uh, Carrie McCluskey who was doing the interview. Cause she's asking me, I'm like, what does that stand for? But, um, <laughs> I kind of know, I mean, I, I'll look, I coach. So I, I look at sometimes for athletes, but it was interesting when I actually looked at it, because we could see where I had gotten in the announcement and it was um, you know, I think I talked about this on the podcast prior to when I went to Slovakia for the Collins cup as an alternate. Like I think I, at that time I, it was feeling like kona was not going to happen in october and i think the announcement might have come and that was why i took a break right after that which i wouldn't normally take a break in august um but i did and then it was i was like okay i'm gonna be at my best in february which scared me um and then i think there was sometime in the fall where there was rumblings and i'm like um okay it's not gonna be february it's gonna be may and for me i live in a cold climate it definitely you know it caused some disruption but unfortunately or fortunately for me i think I thrive off of a tiny bit of chaos. And I think this has been the right amount of chaos for me. <laughs> like I also love unique racing situations. And so having a world championship in a unique location that I could drive to was like kind of a perk for me. And, um, but I think, you know, the October two day format is also very much appealing in the uniqueness. So there's a lot.
1: Well, and I think, I think the other thing that this may timeframe does, I mean, we think about the athletes in October, and the race in October, and one of the things as pros we all fear and we all go insane, right, I'd rather be, you know, 5% underdone than 1% overdone, right? And I think when the race is in October, you stand a really good chance of being overdone. Having this race in May, I think a lot of athletes that might feel like, oh, my God, maybe they are a bit panicked, like, wow, this came on really, like, I feel like I just put my Christmas ornaments away, and now all of a sudden I'm racing an Ironman World Championship. What's happening I think people are going to be a little bit fresher and that could bring out some new faces and and some new opportunities as well. What I want to see is the trickle down effect from this race and what it does to athletes racing throughout the summer. And do people get race gluttony and try to race on the heels of this too much that renders them, I mean, for lack of a better word, useless by the time we get to the big Island in, in um, October.
2: Haley, are your Christmas ornaments put away?
0: They are, miraculously, I'm not good at like getting that stuff put away, but I, that is a good, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, last week right before I left.
1: <laughs> the last thing on the to-do list, put Christmas tree away. Yes. <laughs> Check, pack bike for Ironman World Championship. Check. Yes. So, Didi, Dee Dee, we are a North American
2: podcast, and since the three of us on the podcast today are from the U.S., mm-hmm. we want to talk a little bit specifically about the American women. We mentioned Sky Munch, but... Heather Jackson was the last American woman on the Kona podium in 2016, and she showed she was in great form with a dominating win in Ironman Florida last November. Lindsey Corbin is always strong in championship races, and Jocelyn McCauley just won Ironman Texas last weekend. So how do you think the American women might fare in St. George?
1: Yeah, you know, I think like a lot of people aren't talking about the Americans as much. Like they're talking about the Brits because there's 87 of them, and the Germans obviously – people haven't been talking about the Americans as much. And I think that might be to the benefit of the Americans. Um, If we go one by one, Sky Munch has been absolutely solid. She is so consistent. She shows up at races, always fit, always prepared. I I think we have to think about her certainly being in the mix, you know, in the top five. Heather Jackson is funny, not ha-ha funny, but it's funny (laughs) because, I mean, she is ha-ha funny too. Like, I love Heather. (laughs) (laughs) But... And she's funny because I think at one point I had heard her say, and I I don't want to be putting words in her mouth, and I may be misstating this a little bit, but that with the two world championship events in the year, that Kona was definitely kind of her priority. Um, But when I watched her race in Florida, you know, she made that coaching change, um, I think about six weeks going into Florida, and she was a very different athlete. And I think we're seeing this, well I saw her uh, breakfast with Bob interview from St. George and she has a she has a very quiet confidence about her Um, so I again Heather's another athlete who's usually super consistent and I I wouldn't ordinarily bet against her but I kind of thought well she's coming here to have a good strong race but really I in October in the fall is, is the race that she is more emotionally invested in but watching that interview and just watching that performance in November and seeing what this new coaching relationship has has done for her in a very positive way uh she's she's kind of back in the cards for me like not that i had thought she was out but i'm definitely putting her kind of back in to to focus on this race lindsay corbin again i love i love corbs um She's another one who's made a coaching change. She's been super quiet for a couple of years. We haven't seen a lot of her in racing. I think people tend to write her off and and really do. And I don't think we will see her at all until the last 10K. Um, But I I don't put her out of the mix for a top 10 finish. She is so super consistent. What is this, her 14th appearance at a world championship event? And more than any other woman, I think that experience that we're going to see from the veteran is is. I think it's going to pay dividends for her. And I think she's going in with a lot less pressure than she sometimes feels at the Ironman world championship. Um, Jocelyn, again, people are going to write her off because she raced Ironman Texas a week ago. And so she's got exactly two weeks in between races and people would be like, Oh, there's no way. Um, I (laughs) I didn't see it, but I heard she did not look awesome on the run in Texas. Uh, People were saying she had a bit of a, a gimp or a limp and she didn't look super fluid running. But she is an athlete who does well racing high volume. Like we'll see her put in huge training blocks and then race, you know, two or three Ironmans and a 70.3. I mean, she went on a racing tear last summer where she raced Ironman Finland, the Collins Cup and, and like a bunch of races back to back to back to back to back and seemed to get better and better with each one. So she does, she is an athlete that does well with a high volume of racing. So again, she's not someone I would count out. Um, so I think the Americans could fare well. I think on a, on an amazing day, we could see three of them in the top 10 and that would be incredible because no one's giving them very much credit right now.
0: And so there are a few women who have qualified to race in St. George who have either confirmed they won't be racing or are uncertain. I believe just this morning, Laura Phillip, who was considered a top contender, she announced that she's too ill to travel and basically won't be able to start. Um, obviously she's in Germany.
1: She's got COVID. Well, she does. We oh, yeah. didn't know it was actually COVID. Yeah, she, her post her post was actually a positive COVID test. So she had been super ill last week, um, and I don't I don't know that she must not have taken a test at that point. She had fever, um, you know, a, a, a real bad cold. She was in bed for a few days. Um, she started to feel better, and she said she still hadn't made the decision as to whether or not she was going to raise, She was going to do some tests with her doctors apparently one of those tests was a COVID test and it was positive. That was her post this morning on Instagram was a positive COVID test. So obviously just my heart goes out. There is nothing worse like to be that fit to be, I think she was a everyone's list as a, as a podium contender um, for this weekend's race. And to not only miss out on that opportunity, but then because it is COVID have to be very, very careful with her recovery and very, very patient to make sure she's not setting herself up for longer term damage for the rest of the year i mean that's just a it's a it's a really really bitter pill to swallow and it's it's just it's terrible
0: yeah i mean we have if obviously pandemic is still happening we have other athletes who are uncertain if they'll start they're here in utah and sick with something and um kelly Philna was unfortunately hit by a car in training a week ago i think she seems okay and is still planning to start the race but just getting to the start line is always hard. Getting to an Ironman start line is always hard, healthy. But this this seems exceptionally hard right now. We've had several years of global pandemic, uncertainty with health and travel. Do you think that has taken its toll on this start list?
1: Oh, I mean, we've seen it. And I think it just goes to show that while we're super excited to be back and back to a normal degree of racing, that COVID is still a thing and it's still impacting our lives and. A degree of caution is is required still, um, and, and travel is difficult and complicated, and leaves you vulnerable um, for setbacks that we didn't have to think about prior to the pandemic. Um, so yeah, we talked about the timing of this event being challenging for people that you know experience winter um, for the first half of of the year calendar year, um, and just the environment that we're now living in with COVID and the fact that we haven't had a volume of races and we haven't had a number of big races to gear up for and I think that's put a lot of pressure on the athletes to maybe take the extra step and and some of them are winding up you know injured and ill and and otherwise so let's just get this race underway so no one else drops out oh my goodness
2: (laughs) And so the race will feature a $750,000 prize purse split evenly between women and men and the first place will win 125,000, 65,000 for second place and 45,000 for third, all the way down to 3,000 for 15th place and previously the Ironman World Championship race paid only through 10th place. So do you think those additional 5 money slots could change the race dynamics?
1: You know, I'm not sure the money is going to be on everyone's mind as much as the, the Kona slots. I mean, yes, I do think so. And I commend Iron Man for for um, realizing that a world championship event deserves a larger, deeper prize purse. I think, you know, that's something that the professional athletes have been asking for and wanting and deserving for a really long time. And the fact that it's, it's happening, I think, is exciting and, and is to be noted. Um, I think when you're out there in the heat of battle... I don't know what, what is more alluring, like the idea of, you know, a $3,000 paycheck or punching your ticket to Kona so that you can script the rest of the summer, the way you want to, like, I think both are powerful arguments. So I think the money is one thing. And I think it's, I think it's deserved. And um, I think it's, you know, about time. I'm not sure that's what's going through people's minds in in the heat of battle. Um, I, I think because there are eight slots available for the women, I, I think, they're going to be a lot of interesting math going on in people's heads as to who's ahead of them, where they stand, not only in the overall race and a race for a, a paycheck, but also the race for will I be safe for October so I can do this to myself again. Why they would want to, I don't know, but it, people do it.
0: <laughs> um, I've I've been there, and I will say that you know me personally, I saw that fifteen, and it did it caused me to create a goal of finishing in the top 15. I know we're not yep. supposed to make outcome based goals, but you know, I'm a professional. I want to get paid. So, right, exactly. that, you know, and it did. And it feels like okay, this is attainable. This is a is a I've never finished as high as 15th in a world cha- in the Ironman World Championships. And so, I was like this would be my best finish and I would get a payday. So there is there is a, a you know, there's a few of us, I'm sure, who are who are thinking about that a little bit. But um let's talk about these Kona slots because like we've mentioned several times, this is the first time we've had like, or I guess it's not the first time in what is it? 19. When, when did Julie Moss win? They had two Konas that year. 82. Wait, 92, 82. <laughs> so this isn't the first time, but First time we've had two Ironman World Championships in two different locations in the same year, so this is you know our first one. The second version will be happening in Kona, Hawaii, in October, and the October version is going to feature a field of 50 pro women. They will be competing on Thursday, October sixth, with an so it's equal size prize or pro field, which we've never seen to the men.
1: Can we take a minute and just applaud that? I mean, maybe we shouldn't because it took so darn long, yes. but you, the three of us have been around long enough to know that this is something we have advocated for for far too long. So let's just say yay to 50 women. Yes,
0: I know. It's ex- exactly, this is what we've been working for for so long. And so we get our own day, equal pro field size. And so we're talking about some of these women who are racing in St. George this weekend, have already punched their tickets. They already know they've qualified for uh the Hawaii Kona. Um, you know, they're racing the Utah Kona. They're they're planning to race the Hawaii Kona. So I think there's ten women who are on the start who plan to start in St. George who have already qualified for Hawaii Kona. And there are eight more qualification slots available. And so I was I was talking to Torsten Rad this morning from TryWriting.com and I think he ran the numbers and he was saying that there are, I think 24 women on the start list. And so 10 of them already have Kona slots or 10, 24 women who plan to start according to his, his research. So, um, you know, if I'm wrong on that, Torsten is the person to go after, but so we're talking 13 or 13 or 14 women who do not have Hawaii Kona slots and eight slots available. Is my math, is my math making sense here? So Your math is totally making sense, but I was doing, I was doing math beyond. Yeah, no, just like, how far do you think, how far do you think these Hawaii Kona slots might roll? You know, like what place do you think someone, me maybe needs to get, to get a Hawaii Kona spot?
1: (laughs) Well, the math I was doing on top of that, was that I was taking that statistic of a roughly 30% DNF rate from the 2012 race. And if we apply that to Saturday and... 30% 30 percent of the women don't finish assuming all 30 percent are women who are still looking for slots that's 9.8 athletes rendering one woman who finishes the race who will not get a Kona slot oh, man. So, so... I mean that's making a lot of assumptions but there's <laughs> there's a high probability uh, I think the women that I, I think the women should be bolstered by the fact that they get the opportunity to race in St. George with that many slots like get to the start line healthy you have a really good shot in punching your ticket much
2: better than any other summer Ironman we'll
1: see <laughs> yeah for sure um and it's I think that is going to change race dynamics and that some people might say I'm going to race it a little safer to try to get that slot rather than be super aggressive to try to be top 10 when I can be 16th and get a slot right and, and I, I say 16 because it's one out of the money but I think both of those carrots are going to be really, really appealing as to how far it rolls. I mean, 10 women, I mean, 20th, 18th. I I think it's, I think it's going to be close to 20th place where, where it rolls.
2: Haley, I feel for Betty Janelle already, who I'm sure is going to have her boots on the ground and is going to be doing the calculations of like, who's in front of Haley, who is where, who has a slot, where is Haley is her slot secure and she's going to be trying to figure this out in the time that it takes you to run the lap or whatever you're doing for I don't know the course that well but
0: I I mean for the I mean that's that's a hard job <laughs> I know it's easy for me to sit here while I'm like in the cool air conditioning, like feeling pretty good. Um, being like, yeah, this is what I want. But I do remember in Coeur d'Alene last year when Betty was out there on the bike and she told me, she's like, you're going to get the slot. And I think I yelled back, I'm not taking it. (laughs) (laughs) I was so hot and so miserable. So there's part of me that reminds me, but I will. Yeah, I do. I would. I mean, that is something I'm one of those people who is definitely racing for a Hawaii Kona slot. I think that is something I would love to participate in um you know I love I love that it's 50 women I just really want to be part of that equal field size I just think it's historic and I'm yeah celebrating that and um so that is personal goal that I'm putting out there but it sounds like I you know got to do everything I can to get on the start line healthy which is I am I'm like bubble wrap masks everything hand sanitizer nothing stopping me hopefully but um and then get to that finish line which Again, things that are easy to say, but hard to do.
1: And that's just it. Because in the heat of battle, when you are in that moment where you feel just absolutely awful and all you want to do is step off the course, you've got to remember that even if you're not in it at mile 18, by mile 18.2, you could be right back in it. Like, I think this is going to be a race of attrition because it is so such a difficult course. The conditions are going to be super challenging. And there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure, right? It's a world championship event. Um, you know, 15 slots get paid eight slots for Kona. This is all going to be factored into the, to the minds of the athletes. And I think if you can just stay with it, this course, about we know that about Ironman racing, we've, we've all been around the sport long enough that if you can just stay with it through to the end, you're going to do better than you think you are, right? Because things are going to happen. And in this course in particular on that day, I think a lot of stuff's going to happen. So you get yourself to that finish line, Haley, and you're going to be pleased.
2: <laughs> okay, Dee, Dee. So we have to ask, of course, in our preview shows, that. but as a commentator, are you allowed to share your podium picks for the race this weekend, as well as maybe a dark horse that we might not have mentioned, but we should be watching for on race day? Uh,
1: you know, I, I had my podium picks, and, and Laura Phillip was on it, obviously, because I made my podium picks prior to... Um, this morning when Laura Phillip made her official announcement. So I guess I will go back and go to my fourth place pick and put her into the podium slot. So my podium pick was Cat Matthews for the win, Annie Haug second. And I'm going to put, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to put Heather Jackson in third.
0: All right. Any dark, 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 mare, dark horse who we should be looking out for.
1: Uh, my dark horse. Uh, yes, you know people have been talking. Well, I don't know. I, you know, uh, this is too hard. Is anyone
0: a dark horse in a world championship race? I mean, not in this,
2: especially not in this field. I feel like no.
1: (laughs) uh, Here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say my dark horse is Ruth Astle.
0: All right. Okay.
1: She's not not super dark, but I think she's up and coming with a lot of good momentum behind her and people aren't talking about her a whole lot. So I'm going to say Ruth Astle.
0: Alyssa,
2: are you going to give your picks? Oh, I'll give my picks. I'm picking Annie Haug for the win. I'm picking Danielle in second. I, I like to pick Daniela for the podium. I'm never going to count her out. I don't think. Um, And then Kat Matthews for third and also definitely not like, doesn't fulfill the dark side of the horse, but Lindsay Corbin, I think, um, I mean, like you said, Dee Dee, she's just consistent. She's good on strong courses. I think quiet doesn't mean a thing from, from Lindsay Corbin out there. So, um, I'd like to see her kind of sneak in somewhere.
0: I asked horse, I asked horse this question. I mean, I, well, I'm going to pick myself for the win and second and third oh, and the girl. dark horse, <laughs> but um, dude, I just somehow got first, second, third. I got everything, but, um,
1: yeah. <laughs> how much money does that earn you?
0: I know. Um, all the money. To, like, you don't even need to go to all my, uh I just – yeah, all my bills, which are uh, stacking up. But anyway, I, um, I asked Horst and Rad this same question, and he actually had the same podium as Alyssa. He said Annie Haug, Daniela Reef, Kat Matthews. But then he did caveat that and say maybe not necessarily in that order. In that order. <laughs> so he said it – he thought it was a wide-open race. So, um you know, it is – it's going to be really exciting. Didi, I know – okay, I think the –
1: I, I have one more question. Um, yeah. How have we not mentioned Lisa Norden? How are we not talking about Lisa you? Know Norton? I
2: thought about her for my podium, and I, did we raced with her in Lake Placid, yeah. and she, she looked good, but I think she's just too green for uh, the but- as hard. I don't think I think she's going to know it's a hard course, but I don't think she quite really knows yet how hard it can be.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, so, no, I, I'm just discounting yeah. her run a little bit, but. The fact that the Olympic silver medalist and someone who was so dominant at Lake Placid and just so poised and like she had been doing it all along, she didn't falter at all in that race. And I like I'm scratching my head looking at her name. I'm like, how am I not talking about her? But I'm not.
0: (laughs) Well, special honorable mention. We'll could just like go down. We'll have like 24. But um, anyway.
1: She'll be, our, she'll be our double dark horse.
0: Yes, there yeah. you go. Dee, Dee, I know, I believe this will be, uh, we can watch or listen to you on uh, Facebook, Iron Man, Now, YouTube, Twitch, Peacock. Is that right? Do I have them all?
1: I, I believe so. I don't think this one, we, are, we have started our new relationship with outside TV, but for now, I believe it's just the 70.3 events that are coming on outside TV. So we will be on the traditional platform Facebook Watch, and obviously the others that you
0: mentioned. Okay, great. Well, we will be tuning in. What time does the coverage start on Saturday? I know what uh, you probably don't have to be there really early. I think the men's race starts at like 6.15 and women go off at 6.20. So I'm assuming a little bit earlier before that you'll have some pre-race
1: yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a pre-show um, and be there ahead of time. So, yeah. And it is mountain
0: time. Mountain time. Put that out there. Like, I say, George is kind of like right on that border, but mountain time for all of our listeners who are in different time zones. But early morning, but follow it all day. It's going to be great coverage. But thank you so much, Dee. Good luck to you in your commentating.
1: And good luck to you out on the race course, Haley. I'm cheering for you. Thank
0: you. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Alyssa, I have a fun fact for you. Did you know that if Annie Haug wins the Utah Kona World Championship, she will be the oldest Ironman World Championship winner, like men or women, at 39 years old? No one at 39 has ever won.
2: Whoa. That is a really fun fact, actually. I think um, don't judge based on age.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The previous oldest woman was Natasha Badman, your BFF. Um, she won in 2005, I believe. And then on the men's side, uh, and she was 38. And then on the men's side, Jan Ferdino and Craig Alexander have both won at age 38. So, um, yeah, there's your your thanks. That's yeah. another one, thanks to Torsten. So, <laughs> wealth of information. But um, for all of our listeners, if you do want to tune in, we did double check Peacock, NBC Sports says that Peacock will be streaming the show uh, starting at. 8 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Mountain Time. And um, so I assume the same will be true for Iron Man Now Facebook page should start at least by 6 a.m. Mountain Time. Um, again, I think the pro men start at 6.15, pro women at 6.20. And um, and then I do think the Iron Man YouTube page and Iron Man Twitch for any of our gamers. Um, uh, can, you can, There's lots of ways to watch. And then I believe NBC will also have a uh, documentary, I think, July 24th. Um, So mark your calendars. But hopefully it's going to be a fun fun day, lots of good coverage, and um, maybe a surprise appearance by yours truly. Haley,
2: I am so, so excited. I'm going to be watching the coverage like a hound to make sure I'm spotting you at all the times. I will be cheering for you so big from – the upper corner of the Northeast and sending, um, all the good vibes your way. I'm just super excited for you to have this opportunity. You're going to crush it. And I can't wait to get the rights to the first interview with you on a podcast after after you go big this weekend. Um, so yeah, for our listeners, we will be talking to Haley next week. I will be asking her all about the day. We'll get all of the scoop um it should be a really fun time to relive all the drama not quite as fun as the day we relive the drama right at the finish line of Iron Man course lane but very close and Haley I'm just don't think about that yet think about that
0: next monday focus on yourself right i'll now. use that now i have a lot of motivation for this race you know the top 15 finish for paychecks kona slots and having information, things to talk to you about. So, um, hopefully, hopefully it all comes comes together, but thank you, Alyssa. And I look forward to chatting with you next week.
2: You have been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadesky.
0: Iron women is a production of feisty media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with Oh with one water and how did you keep your hair from getting so
2: destroyed? I was swimming so much last year and I used TryHard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. TryHard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff, everything you're gonna need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sidaro and Lucy Charles Barkley Also praise the effectiveness of Try Hard. I think it's like definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine.
1: And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, try Try Hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the Try Hard products with the code 20Feisty, that's two zero Feisty, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20 Feisty for 20% off at tryhard.co.
2: Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It is about seeking the moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected with the beauty of the world around us.
0: And let's be real, Chasing Epic is feisty.
2: Orca has been a longtime partner of Feisty, and we work with them year after year because we love their products and their commitment to creating amazing wetsuits made for women. They also supported me on Team USA last
0: year at the One Water Race, which was most definitely also Chasing Epic. With Orca's range of triathlon wetsuits, including Apex and Athlex, you can choose between flexibility, buoyancy, or a combination of both. There's a wetsuit for every triathlete and for all of your epic adventures. And as a feisty listener, you can get 15%
2: off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com.
0: Alyssa, AminoCo has been a longtime podcast sponsor. And every time I'm listening to the show and I hear our AminoCo ad, I'm always shocked to hear how AminoCo co-founder, Dr. Robert Wolf has run a marathon in under two hours and 30 minutes, 62 times. I just can't believe that's a real stat. Me
2: either. It is very impressive and it gives me a lot of confidence. Dr. Wolf knows what he's talking about when it comes to performance and recovery. I actually took Aminoco Heal before and after my recent knee surgery.
0: I've been using Heal a lot after really big workouts as I've started to ramp up my training. And I also use my personal favorite Aminoco Perform before and during my hardest sessions.
2: Do you have a favorite flavor?
0: For Perform, I definitely go with the strawberry lemonade. It has a really light flavor and a little bit of caffeine that I think helps keep me focused during my really tough intervals. And for heel, I like vanilla. I just feel like vanilla gets me into recovery mode. What about you? The vanilla heel is my favorite too. I find it mixes really
2: well into my post-workout shakes that I make.
0: Wait, what do you put in your shakes?
2: Well, oftentimes just whatever I have in the fridge, sometimes vegetables, sometimes
0: collagen,
2: you know, whatever I have. Summer shakes are way more interesting because it's like, I make them cold. But the winter shakes are a little less fancy.
0: Do you ever add snow to your winter shakes? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start doing that now. I don't know. Make, make sure it's clean snow. I am not quite as fancy. I just add water. It, I think it still works pretty well, but, uh, wh- however you like your amino co you can rest assured that in clinical trials, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than doubled by athletes using perform and heal was shown to trigger muscle growth and repair better than other high quality protein sources.
2: Head to aminoco.com slash ironwomen to see very large photos of me and Haley using AminoCo products, then select your favorite products and use code
0: IRONWOMEN for 30% off at checkout. First-time purchases also come with a free gift. That's aminoco.com forward slash ironwomen and code IRONWOMEN for 30% off.